You've tuned into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. What if you found a portal to a parallel universe? What if you could slide into a thousand different worlds? Where it's the same year, and you're the same person, but everything else is different. And what if you can't find your way home? Welcome back for another issue of Imagine If. This week we we will we watch the the new Venom trailer. This week it came out. Uh, it seems like it, a lot of people were very hyped about it. I yes, have, we did. Uh, oh yes, yes we did. Uh, I don't know. I have my own reservations. I guess is the best way to put it about the whole thing. You know, it, it's interesting, and we were just talking before this a moment ago. But yeah, it's it's wild to realize that this is going to be the first. Marvel, DC, big two supervillain to have his own movie. You know, like, I mean, if this was Doctor Doom, I'd be way more hyped. You know, <laughs> if this was Two-Face, I'd be crazy insane hyped. I'm a little bit hyped for the Joker film, I'm not going to lie, but it's because it's the romantic idea that's in my mind is cool. I don't know if that'll translate into what they're going to try to do with the reality of the of the movie. Um, but Venom, and I mean, I get it. He's He is a very top-tier villain. You know, he's, well, see, he's, that's very, where- he's recognizable. That's where I think it's different because I think I think the Joker will definitely be a, a villain movie, but I don't see Venom as a as a villain. I see well, him as an oh, antihero. That's that's true. Actually, that's a good way to bring that up because you're right. Like I think I think Venom and even it's it his writers have done a job to you know the lethal protector, mm-hmm. and even then they've gone away from the lethal part, just making him a protector. You know because I know yes when they removed Eddie from the symbiote. And uh, who was the next guy? Mac. Mac. Mac was just pure evil, and yeah. I think he was worse than when he was the Scorpion. Yes, definitely. Uh, then when it went to the third bearer, would that automatically be Flash Chomp? Well, I mean, the, according to, I mean, we'll get into that more. I mean, there's yeah. Anne Wheeling, which I think is the person that Michelle Williams is going to be playing in the movie. Uh, there is Patricia Robertson, Angelo Fortuna, For, Fortunato. Yeah, Fortunato. Lee Price. I don't even know who some of these people are. Yeah, and you're right. That's true. And even then, but I think you're right in the the idea that the big ones that held the the title of Venom would be Brock, uh, Mac. Gargan, and and Flash Thompson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you're yeah, it's it's some of those characters. You look at them and you're like, huh? Because like you said, Lee Price. Who is this guy? The only reason I know of him is because I did that Venom War crossover. Mm. So he was the guy who had the symbiote right after Flash did, and so it was like kind of in a four-way love triangle between Lee, Flash, Eddie, and the symbiote itself. And mm-hmm. even right now we're changing history because they're putting out a new crossover or miniseries, The First Toast, you know, things That's like right. that. That's yeah. right. I forgot about that. Uh, that is a – I mean, they're de- Marvel's definitely trying to be like, hey – Sony's gonna be making a movie, whether it does good or not. It's gonna it's gonna be exposure for the character. We better jump on you capitalize know. on that. Yeah, so yeah, piggyback it. Can't I mean can't can't fault them for it. Oh look, Wikipedia even has Deadpool as a host for the Venom symbiote. <laughs> well, that that I think that comes from recently with the uh, the Venomverse stuff. Well, no, not the Venomverse stuff, but the um, when they did Secret Wars. Okay. So they did this one mini series. It was I think it was I think it was literally just called Deadpool Back in Black. 
And so basically they said, okay, what if Deadpool had existed around the time of the Secret Wars? So they go back to the... It's like just a super hyped what if. Okay. Almost like the concept of like Gwenpool. Right. You know, because I, I was even in Walmart today and I he has an action figure. Back in Black, Deadpool has an action figure. Really? I almost bought it. Yep. Wow. Because it's like, oh, you know, because this is the one. It was like the four-issue miniseries and one of the covers was... The Beyonder grants the wish of you know certain heroes, so he grants the wish of Deadpool, and he's like, "I wish I had no more cancer." And he's this beautiful looking guy with the big old seventy stash, you know. And it's it was just pure craziness, but now it's become like something. So yeah, it made Wikipedia. It's real. There you <laughs> go. It's real. It's real enough. Uh, so yeah, we'll be talking about Venom. We'll be talking about the trailer. We'll we'll, we'll get into a little bit of history of. Eddie Brock specifically, uh, and uh, the symbiote that he that he's worn for a few decades now. Yeah, at least twenty of those years are his, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, before we get to that, though, as always, we're gonna get on to that spinner rack. What yep. do we got breaking out this Wednesday? What what keeps us going every day of the week? Wednesday? Why? Comic books. <laughs> New okay. Comic book day. Here we go. So looking at your DC comic books. Um, if you missed the Super Sons, well, the wait is over because today you have Adventures of the Super Sons number one launching. This will be a 12-issue miniseries, our maxi series to be specific. So, you know, get your groove on. Get it back. You know, we've got um, we've got the creators back on your favorite, Damian Wayne and John Wayne. Uh, John Wayne. John Kent. <laughs> they should do something like that. would be a great image to have, you know, John standing on top of Damian with the big trench coat and they're walking in. Yeah, like, cowboy hat. Yeah, who are you, mister? I'm uh, John Wayne. <laughs> so there you go, Pete Tomasi. If you're listening, there's an idea for you. Um, Batman issue 52 is out there. We're going to see a lot of crazy stuff. Bruce is going to be on a journey after the whole wedding shenanigans. Um, having read 51, I really liked it. Um, the you know the whole 12 angry men angle it's a great story i love it so seeing bruce on a jury um and obviously the the situation that bruce is in and plus now i get to see tom king write mr freeze so i'm excited i love when he's tackling these villains so again tom king because i know you're listening to us yeah. give me that two-faced story i want that i'm looking forward to it uh, but anyways moseying along um we know you're going to be spending a lot of money on comic books so that's okay because you can get dc nation their third issue will be out and as always it is free at your local comic shop um that's a great book it's basically the old staffers from wizard magazine and they're telling you all the new stuff that's going to be happening so grab yourself a copy of that um, if you are a fan of Green Lantern, Hal Jordan, do yourself a favor, start buying the Green Lanterns book. So we're on issue 52. So these stories from 50, 51, 52, and I think this book will run till 57 or something like that. These are actually post Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps 50. So this is interesting because it's like, will these stories have seeds to what's going to happen from there or whatever? But hmm. uh, I picked up 50. It's a great murder mystery, a whodunit. And, nice. of course, you know, as soon as they walk in, who do you see with the smoking gun? Simon Baz. So is everybody going to be like, oh, you're our friend? Or are they going to be like, we knew you were a murdering dog, you know? So it's, <laughs> it's just kind of interesting. Um Injustice 2, issue 31 is out there. Uh, the, the print issues out there, the digital issues are way up there. And do yourself a favor, cherish this, because I just found out some sad news. Injustice 2, the this book is actually coming to a conclusion. Really? Yeah, and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Because he'll Tom Taylor will have written enough story to get us to the video game. 
Okay. So now I'm curious, well, what's that going to mean? Like, will they do an adaptation of the video game story, give us a miniseries, and then just launch into World of Injustice, which I'm totally for. Please steal this idea because <laughs> Tom Taylor listens to us, and I, I want this. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, so now I'm kind of like I'm a little melancholy when I read each issue of Injustice. Um, I know in the digital one that came out yesterday, the Tuesday one, that starts the big wedding. This one's an actual wedding, too. Oh. We, we see Orca and Killer Croc get married. Oh. Because there's a little crocodile in the oven. So <laughs> does that sound okay? Sorry, Peta, don't get mad at me. I mean that in the most comic booky way possible. But anyways, yeah, so we have an actual wedding there. So wait, recap that how it goes for if you wanted to catch up on all of the Injustice comic books. Because it goes Injustice Volume 1, which has its own book, which starts five years before the video game starts, right? Yes. So... So yeah, you have uh, basically the the first book was called Injustice: Gods Among Us, straight okay. rip off of the title from the video game, shared all that, and it, it was it was a prequel set five years in advance. The book became so successful both digitally and in print and in collection as well that they they greenlit it. So then there was Injustice Year Two, ran for twelve issues in an annual. By the way, Injustice quote unquote Year One ran for twelve issues in an annual. Uh, year two ran for 12 issues in an annual. Year three, 12 issues in an annual. Year four, same pattern. Year five, 12 issues in an annual. Actually, no, I apologize. I think that one ran 20 issues oh, in wow. an annual. Then they decided to do um, Injustice. Oh, my goodness. I forget what it was called. Um, but it was a subtitled book, Injustice Something, and that one had Harley Quinn's point of view of the video game. So that ran for 12 issues. So that would, would that one would have, would have coexisted simultaneous, simultaneously of the video game. Yeah, it's basically the video game from Harley Quinn's point of view. Okay. Um, I'll be honest with you, it didn't do so well. Mm. Um, it wasn't Tom Taylor. Anything, yeah, it wasn't right? Tom Taylor because Tom Taylor, I think he stayed all the way up to like three and a half, and then he pulled out. We got a new writer, and he did okay. Uh, year three was fantastic. Four got a little weak, and five was just like, oi. Um, year three is when we get Superman with the red ring? Uh, I believe. No, year two is when we had Superman with the fear ring. Oh. Uh, I don't think we've seen Superman with the red ring, oh, which red, but we should. Okay. Especially like in, in especially the Injustice Superman. Yeah. Well, with this Injustice year. Or inju- so, Injustice 2. So, after they finish the, oh, man, I, I'll, it'll come to me, the, the, the Harley Quinn video game version. So, that ran for 12 issues. Uh, it ended, and then they just launched a book just straight up called Injustice 2. And that one's been running. Um, today's print issue is issue 31. So that one's been running for that while. And I think it's going to go to issue 40. I'm not sure. Um, and that one just basically will tell us the story from Injustice Video Game 1 to Injustice Video Game 2. And then that's where it's going to cap off. So we don't know. Uh, but there's fantastic collections out there. Your best bet, if you want to immerse yourself into it in a really good collection, um, they've been doing these trades, which just have a whole year. So you could buy Injustice Year 1, 2, 3, 4, and so on. And are they planning on doing... Do you know, are they planning on doing a one that coincides with Injustice 2, N- two the video game? Nothing I've heard yet. Like I said, I just... I caught on, on a message board that they were talking about it. So I need to go and do a little bit of comic book deductive sleuthing. deduction sleuthing there and, and find out what's going on, so... But I, I kind of figured something was in there, you know, because it, it felt like it's been feeling like the book's coming to a close. And it's like, oh, because they're, they're going to catch up to the video game. I was under the premise that the video game had happened 
video game two had happened, and then we're just living in the aftermath of that one. Oh, world. okay. You know, but I mean, there's been a lot of great talk between the uh, video game creative side and Tom Taylor, and this book does fantastic. Now, the other important question I need to ask is. Do does the Injustice universe have a number designation in the multiverse? Nothing I've heard yet. That's so interesting. We need to take the words injustice, <laughs> uh, run it through a um, mathematical calculation combination, a, a permutation. permutation. Permutations are better go. than combinations, in my opinion. <laughs> so we'll run it through the permutations of the word injustice, and that'll be the Earth designate number. So there you go, Dan Didio. There's the formula. <laughs> Um, but yes, move, moving along. But anyways, I can't get enough Injustice 2. Go pick it up. Uh, if you like more, Injustice 2, Volume 2, Trade Paperback is out there. And Injustice 2, Volume 3, Hardcover is out there. So basically this you know Volume 2 of the book is, is expanding in its collections. Um, Justice League number 5 is out there, and that book has been phenomenal. The Justice League is back. Grant Morrison, not Grant Morrison, sorry. This is on par with Grant Morrison's mm. J- JLA book back in the day, so I think that's fantastic. Uh, the book I can't wait to go home and read today, Mr. Miracle number 10. Uh, a cute little backstory that I, I, I heard about. So Tom Taylor posted today, and he said, "You know, I asked Mitch Gerard, Tom King. Tom King. Good Lord, I'm all over the place. <laughs> Tom King, writer of Mr. Miracle and Batman. He has Mitch Gerard, the artist on Mr. Miracle. Uh, he's, hey, you know, what, what do you want to draw in this? And Mitch was just like, I want to draw uh, Blue Beetle, Booster Gold, and Mr. Miracle talking. And we finally see that today. There's a three pages of them at the birthday party for Mr. Miracle's brand new baby. And this is going to be a pivotal issue because the, the gauntlet's been thrown down to Scott Free, a.k.a. Mr. Miracle, to decide if you know I, Darkseid, will attack New Genesis or you give me your child. So it's like, son of a bitch. I didn't like it when they did it to me, and now I might have to do this to my kid. Damn it. So it's going to be interesting to see. And plus, this is 10 of 12, so the end is coming very soon. Uh, Nightwing issue 47 will be out there. And then one I'd like to promote because I I, I think there's going to be a lot of hype because we just had Teen Titans go to the movies. And we also have the Teen Titans trailer that got launched for the new DC experience or whatever they're calling it. DC Universe. DC Universe. Teen Titans, sorry, New Teen Titans Volume 9. Uh, this series, so it's obviously nine, nine trade paperbacks deep so far, this will collect the Marv Wolfman, George Perez era of New Teen Titans. And I know there's been a lot of flack, and even my first initial reaction was to be like, why would Robin say that? And I, I read a great interview, and it was Jeff Johns, and he's like, look, Teen Titans, New Teen Titans, when that came out, that was the first comic to show two people laying in bed together. Mm-hmm. That book's always been on the edge, and I was like, you know what? You he, sold me because right. now you're creative, pushing those boundaries. You're going there. So I was like, okay. And, you know, plus, where is Robin in terms of this relationship? He just got fired from Batman, you know? So I was like, okay. And one thing that I think is going to be neat about this show, they're going to give Dick Grayson a personality. It looks like he's a cop. I don't know. I just kind of had this feeling that Dick Grayson's a cop in this. Oh, I didn't, I didn't feel yeah. that, but that's interesting. Yeah, I felt like when he was talking to Raven in that scene, he, I feel like that was like the police oh, yeah, interrogation. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, so I'm like, okay, maybe this will finally like, because Dick, yeah, he was a cop before in the Chuck Dixon era, yeah. and um, you know, I, I think that was great. Give him a job, give him something because, you know, you want Dick Grayson to exist as well as Nightwing, right? 
you know and i mean i know it's tough where it's like doesn't that mean he's a crime fighter 24 7 well no that just means that's how fucked up bloodhaven is is that during the day he's trying to keep the cops to do the right thing and then at night he's got to do the right thing right you know so i think that's great um but anyways now jumping to the other side of the fence at marvel comics ant-man and the wasp part four or five so if you love the shenanigans from the movie and you want to see um scott lang interact with quote-unquote hope aka nadia then this is the book for you Astonishing X-Men issue 14 is out there, and this is part of the Beast uh, Havoc-led team of X-Men. I've been hearing some really good stuff. Plus, it's Greyland art. So nice. this is I know this is going to be, I'm pushing it up your alley, yeah. but I think it's fantastic. And if we're okay with spoilers, get ready for it in 3, 2, 1. Banshee is back. Banshee. They brought Banshee back from the dead, so you hear everybody talking about it. But in the panel that they showed it, his face looked very zombie-like. At least that's what I thought. So it's going to be interesting to find out why is he back, how is he back, and what's going on. So I'm excited for that. Which I always thought was interesting because, obviously, in the Irish folklore, the Banshee's a very uh, mystical, magical creature, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for there? Well, that siren of lore, right? It it's just, it's all it's all you know. Um, I guess master magical base is what I was looking for, but but obviously our and and usually a woman, uh-huh. but our banshee is a guy and a mutant. So it's interesting to think about, like you know, I mean, I guess because he does the cry, so that's why he took on that name. But yeah. like, where why not have some type of magical backing to his uh, his existence or his backstory i mean we do it with magic right magic technically uh, uh you know um I'm, and by magic i mean uh, Ileana rasputin right yeah, yeah colossus's sister she's not a mutant right she's just she magic is. powered no actually i think she is a mutant i don't know what her mutant powers are but her magic ability is what makes her right you know and plus yeah i mean she grew her, up in limbo yeah that's her time in, the lim- in limbo and the dark realm or whatever it's called and learning from whoever to, to do stuff I, I don't know exactly know what her her, her mutant yeah, power no, is I think she I think she has one because I remember I want to say I think it was like not necessarily an issue of New Mutants but of X-Men back when Kitty Pride was really young and you know they would talk to you know Kitty and Ileana would be friends it's like oh maybe you'll get your mutant spark someday <laughs> and then, then it was something like oh yeah she did because yeah actually she did she was a mutant because she did die of the um the legacy, the, the, virus, the legacy virus which only happens because of your mutant yeah ah okay yeah so yeah she turned out to i don't know what her powers are because she's more that magic base the teleportation the crazy sword the sorcery and stuff like that but yeah but uh no i, I i'd be up for that hey give you know i mean we've heard of secondary mutations why not why not have banshee be connected you know maybe you know he, he did because Mirror Island, I would always take that as it's definitely, you know, it's European. Mm-hmm. I would say it is close to Ireland. You know, that's why Sean would be cool with Sean living Cassidy, there. Yeah. yeah, Sean Cassidy, the Banshee. So, yeah, give him something like that. You know, he's got the little bit of the will of the wisp in him, and he's got some more magic base. So I'm fine <laughs> and, with that. And I know we don't talk about this era of X-Men comic books because it was written by Chuck D- no, Chuck Austin. <laughs> uh, but, you know, he's the one that kind of made Angel into being more of a – uh, yeah, he gave him that heavenly based power, right? Yeah, instead of just being a mutant, yeah. yeah. So, so I mean, there, there is precedent, I guess, is, yeah, is what I'm. It's looking happened for. before. Let's <laughs> do it again. Well, you know, you could even argue the same thing for uh, Emma Frost. She's a very, you know, high class, rich woman, and all of a sudden, it's like, yeah, you're you're into money and and, and looks and fashion, so you can turn into a diamond. You get diamonds, <laughs> yeah. All right. 
So yeah, there you go. So Charles Soul. No, I don't think it's Charles Soul writing this this run. Um, but you know, Astonishing X Men. There you go. There's your fix. Uh, but moving along, this is always a great part of the month. I love to say Ben Riley, the Scarlet Spider, marches along <laughs> for another issue, issue twenty two. I've been loving this book. I I just love the idea of you know Ben's broken soul on that journey to redemption. I am so psyched. I hope that you know I I, I don't want to sound like a, a a negative guy. I'm pretty sure the book's canceling at twenty five, mm. but I hope that they at least give Peter David enough of a heads up so he can wrap up the story. And I think that'd be great. That's you gave me two years and some months. I loved Clone Conspiracy, so I think it'll be neat to have seen Ben fall from grace and then join the road to redemption. So I have to say, what I like the most about that book i mean unfortunately it's not ben riley it's kane i enjoy the kane character nothing wrong with that i i think he's he's interesting because even though i know he's a clone of peter parker like with ben riley i'm like i feel like he plays up the fact that he's a clone of peter parker a lot whereas Uh kane like he's he's like i don't want to mention that that's not me i'm not peter i'm something completely different like even though he would have been the same up until the point where he became cloned you know yeah so i don't know i for some reason like kane just like he he fascinates me as a character and i wish there was more about him out there no you're right he i love kane i i love both of them and it's funny because they're enemies right you know because when kane first appeared he was to be a foil to ben um i just think i think what helped Kane was when they resurrected him and that was during that Craven's the next hunt or whatever it was oh, okay. Grim hunt mm-hmm. you know he was the spider they accidentally resurrected um, but then they had that miniseries and that was the first time you really saw him running around they had the the, the young girl who had the mystical uh, capacity with her I think that's what helped Kane get out of the spider's web you see what mm-hmm. I did there yeah, so yeah. he got out of there so that way he could actually become a character unfortunately for Ben you know the premise was he will be spider-man oops never mind he's not going to be spider-man right. how do we do this just kill him entirely um, well yeah but- and plus Ben got to spend time as Peter Parker like he he got he was Peter Parker after being cloned whereas Kane was cloned for a purpose to not be Peter Parker. But you know, but even that's tough because, you know, when you read the actual comics and then the forced or the the, the, the retcon that went in there, mm-hmm. I mean, he got to be Peter for like a day. And oh, then really? if you think about it, he got the worst shtick of it because it's like, you know, he literally, you know, he was cloned. Like the way it should have been was the body was cloned and maybe he'll have memories of walking from the tube to, you know, Miles Warren's lair where he put him in a Spider-Man suit. But then all of a sudden when the memory really comes to life, it's going to be everything Peter had, but in falsehood. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, they have the big fight. The explosion happens. He's unconscious. Peter wakes up. You know, has this moment of, oh, I guess I am Spider-Man. Takes the body, throws it into a smokestack. <sighs> Luckily, it doesn't disintegrate. Then that body wakes up and is like, oh, wow, this is weird. Why did I end up here? Oh, well, I just remember being an explosion. <laughs> I'll go home. And then looking in the window and seeing Peter Parker, Mary Jane, and life going on, it's like, oh, I'm the clone. I mean, that's a heartbreaking moment. True. You know, and, and they did give... They did give Ben a personality, but I I think it's just it got lost in that. But it is exciting. Um, Like I said, I know the book will probably get canceled. I would have launched the book as Scarlet Spiders 
and do something with both Ben and Kane. Mm-hmm. But Kane, he will be part of the the Spider Force, which is going to be one of the miniseries. It'll be written by Christopher Priest. He's a great writer. Yep. And it's going to be part of that um, uh, Spider Geddon. Right. So I'm excited. Like or the as, fact that it's Kane and Chris Priest. That's why I'm picking that up. Or as uh, Nick Lowe constantly called it during his, the the panel I went to at SDCC was. Spider Geddon. Like every time he said it, he, he had to say it that way. That. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, what I was going to also say was that, uh, you know, my first exposure to Kane was also in MC2 when he was kind of a guardian protector yeah, to, to Mayday as an adult because he felt so guilty because he was the one that kidnapped her as a baby. Yeah. So it was, you know, the white, the long white hair and beard. And I mean, he looks so different from Peter, but like when you, when they, when the artist drew up close, you could see Those like intricates of Peter's yeah, face. Peter's yeah. face. Yeah, exactly. God, bring back MC2. Right? Hashtag bring back hey, MC2. I tried. I tried my darndest at that, that, uh, <laughs> the panel, panel to yep. be like, Hey, we want more MC2 characters. You're bringing back Mayday for Spider Geddon, but <laughs> <laughs> we want the others too. Yep. Like, uh, what was that guy? What was the kid's name that was Juggernaut's son? Billy oh, Yama. Too. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think it was Billy Yama. Yeah. Yeah. I remember Yama. I think it's. I think it was. I think Billy. it was Billy. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, okay, but moving along quickly here, uh, Captain America 2 is out. Uh, I was really impressed with issue one. I can't wait to read issue two. Um, this is Teneste Coates. He's writing Captain America, and this is the Captain America that's going to be dealing with the fallout of Secret Empire. So I'm excited. I think this is going to be great. Um we have Cosmic Ghost Rider Part 2 of 5 is going to be out there. Deadpool Issue 3. Death of the Inhumans Part 2 of 5. Um, I, I hope the fans of the Inhumans don't get as burned as the fans of the X-Men guy. <laughs> so, I mean, it's it's exciting with the deal going great that, you know, the Fantastic Four and the X-Men are coming home. I just hope the Inhumans with their show getting canned, I hope this isn't like where it's like, we're going to banish you to hell, you know. <laughs> Um, but anyway, so where are the to- Inhumans at now? Like, are they still on the moon? Is as as uh, I don't know Avalon? if they're no. They, I think they're they're near Staten Island in New York, aren't they? Because didn't they build their like castle right by the Statue of Liberty? No, clue. I think so because um, though because you got to read about them, the detective that's an Inhuman. It was something yes. with Daredevil, probably yeah, that yeah. search for Wolverine, yeah, lost weapon. Yeah, so I think that's what they were doing because he used to be a New York cop. And then once the Black Terrigen Bolt put mist. the Terrigen Mist out there, they just kind of relocated to like this random, kind of like that new Zion that the X-Men did in, in Secret Empire. Or when I was reading a lot of X-Men books, District X in New York with the, you know, the mutant part right, of Because they had New that York cool City. Bishop cover yeah. where they looked like the Terminator. <laughs> yeah. there, that was a cool moment. Um, but anyways, uh, moving along, uh, Hunt for Wolverine Weapon Lost Part 4 of 4. So these books are now hitting the conclusion stage, and then there's going to be one more miniseries, <laughs> and then we'll see what happens. Check your local previews They literally <laughs> shoved in a year and a half worth of this books into the span of five months. Yeah, four four-issue crossovers, 16 comics down your throat before we really get there. Yeah. Oh, my goodness, yeah. Uh, Immortal Hulk number four. Dude, you want some suspense? All I've been hearing about is this book. It's fantastic. It's like the, the, everybody calls it like a true horror book. Oh, it is. Like, it's funny. Uh, Bruce Jones. Like, it's funny. A lot of people, you know, Chuck Austin, we will not talk of him. <laughs> but Bruce Jones had this run on on the Incredible Hulk, and it was the one where they did that Return of the Monster, and they were kind of doing those spoofs of the um, – 
the covers by oh what's that famous artist that like life magazine and norman rockwell the okay. norman rockwell style stuff mm-hmm. and he would draw them with hulks but that story was where it was like true horror you know and that was the mr green mr blue stuff and he was constantly at the run so it felt like it was horror it felt like it was the fugitive it was great but this brings it as well it's it's don't read this book at night <laughs> it's awesome <laughs> um infinity wars part one of six is out today infinity wars has been awesome last week you know we had the infinity wars prime start and you know we we got the new character of nebula no it's not nebula because that's the the other daughter of gamora or the the sister of gamora right gosh darn it but whatever that infinity character i, I can't think Proxima of the midnight no um in the comics, the one that's got the like, the the eyes look like the Infinity symbol, and it's a hooded character. Oh yeah, um, the new. Yeah, I can't I can't think of the character's name right now. Darn it, because I thought it was Nebula, but anyway, so it was a mystery character, and we're trying to figure out who's under the hood. The one so, that killed Thanos in the yeah, first issue. So my guess was it was Nebula, but that's wrong. And today in Infinity Wars number one, we find out who it was and how they were able to do it. So if you're okay with spoilers, spoilers in three, two, one. So it's Gamora, and she's on the quest to get the stones. So she actually pickpocketed Peter Quill, got the Power Stone, put it on her sword, and that's how she was able to cut Thanos' head off. Mm. So this is huge because now if she's looking to go after that means she might be looking to go after the rest of the Infinity Watch. So that's your Doctor Strange, uh, your other heroes, Black Widow, and it's like, wow, will she be crossing a line? How far will this go? So that's going to be fantastic. And, I mean, this is issue one. Wow. Uh, Luckily, they did a second printing of the Infinity War Prime. So if you missed out, do yourself a favor. Go pick it all up. So let me ask you this. Where does Infinity Warps fit into Infinity Wars? I I feel like that's going to be when issue three is released. So they'll probably do something like... Because my question is, will these characters be created because of the story? So, like, will it be something like, oh, no, you know, say somebody has the reality gem and Gamora's going crazy and it's like, oh, Captain America and Doctor Strange, I have to save you and uses the stone and accidentally creates the Soldier Supreme? Or will these be other characters from Earth 617 and 618 or whatever that we need more help and they use the reality stone and those are the characters that arrive. But yeah, I think that'll be released around the, the halfway point of the series just to kind of get those spin-off books because Lord knows you can't have a crossover <laughs> without spin-offs. Because, you know, Marvel earlier this year or last year was like, we're not going to do crossover events anymore. <laughs> that was yeah, a that, lie. That, that didn't last. <laughs> uh, but anyways, finishing up, uh, Venom number three gets a second printing, so obviously that book's been doing very well. Weapon X hits issue 21. X-Men Gold 33 dealing with the fallout. And something's happening to Rachel Summers Gray. So I think that could come into play for the Extermination book. So keep your eyes there. And then there's X-Men Gold Annual 2, which has a great Kitty Pride flashback story. So if you're a fan of Kitty and you want to know why she's acting like a jerk, maybe that'll be the book that helps you out. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just I feel really soured on her character. I mean, I, I'm not blaming the writing. I think it's great that the writing invoked an emotion. And to me, that's fantastic. But it's just so tough to be like, oh, she finally decided to be like, hey, you know what, Peter Rasputin, I want to marry you. She proposed to him, and then all of a sudden, cold feet and ran off. And I mean, that's fine. It's better to you know do that. But it's like, man, you just picked him up and dragged him through the mud. And it's like, hey, it's Tuesday. <laughs> at least, at least it, it got him to get his powers back. Oh, he's had his powers back before that. I thought it was right before the proposal. He didn't have his powers. No, he had them. 
Because he was he was part of the Phoenix Five, so he had the the, the yeah. And but then he went to the X Force team, and that's where he was palling around with Domino. Like they would literally like have sex to beat off frustration and anger. And yeah, but so, he lost his powers after that. And like even in that baseball game, right before she proposes to him, he's like, "I don't know, my powers aren't working for whatever no reason." Okay, wow. I wonder if maybe that was something part of the gold storyline. Oh, uh, okay. Hmm. Interesting, because I could have sworn he's always had his powers, but maybe I missed it because I didn't follow gold. Like I tried it the yeah, first it two arcs, gold. so maybe it was something where they did, you know, like, "Oh, you lost your powers," and so maybe that's where she felt, "Oh, he's vulnerable. Let me marry him." <laughs> <laughs> Pull a Tom King on him, right? Hey, <laughs> hey. But anyways, that's on your spinner rack, so always go to your favorite LCS, enjoy yourself, take out a loan, and say thank you, and you're welcome <laughs> to your comic book dealer. So what have you been reading this week? Because I haven't been reading anything. You know, I, 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 I'm getting geared up for work and everything, so it's been very scarce. So I've actually been reading, as I like to play, I call them reruns. So I was looking through three different books. Um, I revisited uh, the, the Death of Blue Beetle, Ted Court. So that'll spin off into the OMAC project. So I'm, I'm excited to reread that one. I think that was a fun book out of the, the four minis they did that spun out of that prelude to Christ, Infinite Crisis. So I think that was fun. Um, obviously, I was thinking about my, my, my insect friend. So I, I read Spider-Man Revelations, which was the original death of Ben Riley. So that four-part miniseries. So that was always sad. That was like one of my... I, I remember being there for... Uh, the the whole the clone story the spider clone story, but I didn't I, you know you can only afford so many books and when they were pumping them out like crazy and especially with it being weekly I left the Spider Man books but when Revelations came I, I came back for that and I remember picking up that four issue mini and was like oh man so sad, but the part I'm really excited about the books that I'm revisiting um, I bought the uh, Batman Rebirth Deluxe hardcovers so volumes one and two and that gives me all of Tom King's run. And it was nice to just read, like, the I think the first volume is, like, the first 15 issues. So it was really cool to go back and read those. And they read, they just read so well. Like, I read the first book in two days. Like, I just couldn't hmm. put it down. And so I'm getting ready to jump in the second book. And it's going to be, like, I mean, revisiting rooftops and all those stories. That's so cool. So that's what I've been doing. So reruns for me. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, I know. Like I said, it just it's just been... Kind of a crazy couple weeks for me, too, and I haven't been able to get into anything. I have a This month book. flew. It really did. July went by quick. Uh, so, yeah, I have books piling up and uh, needing to be read. I have right there on the top of my stack is Flash War. I've, Ooh, I've I can't read, wait. I've read issue one, or I guess part one of the story. I have all the way through to the epilogue, and I just need to read it. Uh, and I, I'm su I'm super psyched about it. I want to I want to see everything. I mean, I've I've seen a lot of the spoilers and a lot of stuff after that. Like it's been determined that Wally is faster than Barry. I dig that. Yeah, I and I'm I think that's to me that's what it's always been. Like I yeah, think I've never questioned that. I no. mean, it's funny. I growing up I was a Barry fan because I as a kid when I I mean I you know read comics as a child from '83 to '90. You know, but they were not in any form of continuity 
You know, and I remember watching the TV show with Barry Allen, played by John Wesley Shipp. Mm-hmm. And then I went and I went to a Circle K and I saw Flash comic books and the cover looked cool. And I picked them up. I'm like, why is he calling himself Wally West? What the hell? <laughs> you know, but I always had that fondness for the Silver Age. And obviously, you know, my go to Green Lantern was Hal Jordan. So who do you think is going to be my go to Flash? Barry. That's his buddy. And that's mm-hmm. how it is. But I grew up more with Wally, I read a lot more of Wally. And I, I got to say, I mean, he got howled, <laughs> you know, oh. like, I mean, it's like, hey, you know, let's let's try, you know, we're, we're going to have an infinite crisis. So let's let's basically, quote unquote, kill off Wally and then we're going to give it to Bart. And then Bart, like he got worse than howled, <sighs> you know, like it's like, oh, let's age him and turn him into the only Flash and then kill him. Did and he die in Final Crisis? No, he died in his own book. Right, yeah. The, yeah. I remember but that. it was like, it was, uh, Final Crisis actually hadn't happened yet because that was, he had that 12-issue book. Right. And he died because they released two comics at the same time, Flash number 12 and like Justice League number 8 because that was part of that lightning saga. Mm-hmm. So they had the two lightning rods and one collected wall or one collected Bart and the other brought us Wally back. Because we were kind of thinking, oh, my God, they're going to bring back Barry. Even Batman thinks they're going to bring back Barry yeah, in that story. You can't fool Batman. Yeah. You know, and, you know, so it's like, okay, Wally was back, but they didn't even know what to do with him. Like, his book stunk. That, well, I was just going to say, because uh, as they brought it up in the DC Nation panel, I think, okay. over yeah. at San Diego Comic-Con, as Dan Didio, as the co-publisher oh, of the no. book, likes to say, you can't have a crisis and not kill a Flash. Oh, so, no. So I was just wondering, who. I mean, do you remember if there was a Flash that died in, in Final Crisis? No. Grant Morrison's no. Final Crisis. I mean, uh, is that he, really a crisis story? Uh, you know, it, well, it's supposed to be the third crisis, but you're right. It's such a... It's such a... It's so different than the others. Um and, and I mean, obviously it should have been because that's the one where it's like, I literally think that one, like I try to remember the taglines, but I think that one was tagged as like, this is the day evil one. And they were always building up to that. It's like every superhero story, you know, is, is the superheroes that they have to keep winning. The villains only have to win once. And this was the story that was supposed to show it's us true. that. And, you know, but that's the story where actually we gained a flash because that's the one where, where Barry returned. Oh, technically, yeah. Yeah, that's right. So that's interesting. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I, I remember reading about that tagline of him saying that, like, every crisis of Flash must die. It's not true. No, you know, but because, it's, it's a nice tagline. You know, but it is a nice tagline, <laughs> and it makes you think because, okay. Because Heroes in Crisis is coming yeah, up. I wanted to just segue that because I wanted to ask, and, like, I don't know if you've seen the image yet, so it's going to scare the hell out of you. Um, in today's DC Nation, They've got a page that's going to be the, you know, the, the sanctuary uh, advertisement. So at the very top, who will die? And then the dark secret of sanctuary. Go inside Tom King and Clay Man's Heroes in Crisis. And then the lineup of characters. So on the ground, you have Arsenal, Roy Harper, Harley Quinn. It, it looks like the, Tom, the Tim Drake Red Robin. Uh, cyborg and then flying above them Kyle Rayner Green Lantern and Booster Gold and it's like oh my god like those are all heroes I like and and then Harley Quinn's there (laughs) but I mean I was like I don't want any of them to die even Harley Quinn I don't want her to die but you know (laughs) so I think it's interesting because even at that DC Nation they definitely kept kept referring like hey heroes in crisis is coming up and then someone would be like and you know what that means for crisis for for a flash right well 
You don't have a flash on that picture, right? Yeah. But you do have a character named Speedy. Oh, <laughs> well played. So I'm, I'm bet. I, I mean, it could be that good I, play I, on words. I could, I could definitely see them killing off uh, Arsenal. Like, I, trust me, I love that character. I think, I think Roy Harper's a, a great character. However, he's not being used. Like, I think he shows up in Green Arrow. When I read it, like every once in a while, he definitely shows up in Nightwing. And he was being used in Titans. Yeah. But we got a new Titans book. And he's not, he's not part, part of it. it. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, that's that's an interesting twist. I didn't think about it that way. Because, okay, I don't know I don't know how well you care about those 4chan spoilers. I mean, I anything that comes up on like a like 4chan or reddit or something like that yeah, like those message I, board spoilers i essentially i just i put chalk it up to speculation i think it's more of people just trying to throw guesses out there so i don't believe any of it until i see it or unless i actually see someone from the company being like oh i fucked up and said something out loud kind of thing yeah well but i tell you what though i like I they mean, might I, come they might come true oh yeah i just, I just don't believe no. them. i i i always you know, again take it with a grain of salt but I, I love reading them because, I mean, I love that type of stuff. I, you know, I'm not a f- gossip fan in real world, but I love it when it's my comic books. But, I mean, the the one they threw out there. So, I don't know if you heard this one. And potential spoilers in three, two, one. Here we go. Uh, Kyle Rayner is going to be the death. Like yeah. He's the one who gets killed, which makes me sad. But um, I understand that. You have six lanterns from Earth yeah, right now. You actually have too many Earth lanterns. And the worst part is we're still missing two of them. Is Jade and Alan. Oh, God. That's true. I didn't even think about yep. that. So, so, I mean, it's like we have eight Earth Green Lanterns. I mean, yes, I know you could argue Alan Scott out of the picture, sure, but you can't argue Jade because she straight up did wear a Green Lantern. She did ring. straight up wear a Green Lantern, you know. but she she also has the star heart. Yeah, she has so, that, but, I mean, that she's still a Green Lantern. She I, was You're Green right. Lantern, you're you know? right. Because that's the thing that gets me sad. I mean, I love Jessica as a character, Jessica Cruz. She's great. But it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, but, you know, Green Lantern, that's a book that's... The Green Lantern's been a very progressive book. She, um, she doesn't have the power ring anymore, right? Which one? Like, she doesn't... She doesn't Jessica or Jade? Jessica. Jessica, I think she still does have the ring. Wait, no. But, I mean, she, she has oh, an the actual... the power ring. Right. I get, yeah. The Earth 3 power ring right. power ring. Yeah. No, she doesn't have that anymore. She, she lost that. Up. And, yeah, she's got it. But she's got a Green Lantern ring that's different. So hers doesn't necessarily connect into the central battery AI, uh-huh. and her ring's the one that's kind of like, you know, like, hey, I don't know if you should trust this guy. I don't know if you should trust that. Like, it's different compared to other Green Lantern And rings. Simon has Kyle's old ring, right? Simon has, gosh, whose ring would that be? Maybe. I think it might be the ring of Sinestro when Sinestro had the Green Lantern ring. Oh, okay. I can't remember. But maybe you're right. Maybe he got Kyle's ring when the rings dispersed. I can't remember. That's a good I mean question. that that was the time when I wasn't reading anymore, so I didn't. I just remember Simon coming out, and everybody was like, "Oh, he got someone's ring. He's got someone's ring." And then I was like, "Oh, well, that means someone had to die." But then no one died. Yeah. So, none of the lanterns but, but but then Kyle had gone off to be like the gray lantern or the white lantern or the multicolor lantern because he had all the other rings. So I was like, "Oh, it must have been his ring then." Yeah. No, I'll have to check my back issues. Because um, I don't think he picked up Kyle's. The best I could think is maybe he got Sinestro's ring. But even then, at that point, you but, know, Guy, or not Guy, um, uh, just Simon Simon and Sinestro were both Green Lanterns. Oh, Because Sinestro it, got reinstated as a GL. Yeah, because Sin- after oh, the did, Green Lantern did Corps. Did Sinestro War. take Hal's old ring? Yeah, so then I Abinger's think so. Ring, yeah. And then he created a ring for Hal to use. Yep. 
which was like, like running uh, off of Sinestro. Right, right. Yeah. So it was a construct more than anything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But I mean, but it's so funny because it's like there's a lot of mysteries with these rings, and we're not talking about them. Yeah. I mean, Hal made a ring of his own willpower. Right. Si- uh, Jessica has this ring that like is like a third party Green Lantern entity right and it's like you know like come on man like you got some cool build up there let's see the payoff you got strange things going on yeah so i mean i hope that's what dan jurgens will do and if when he finishes green lanterns because i don't think uh rob vendetti's gonna do it oh. during green like hal jordan and the glc or as the message words have gone to taking it hal and pals i think that's kind of <laughs> cool and and i mean if you think about if if that hasn't been retconned with the the the, the two different fucking reboots of the of the universe yeah. uh i mean kyle's ring itself should be more powerful than not more powerful but it definitely should be different than everybody else's ring because it was the torchbearer ring it was the one that was supposed to bring back the the green lantern core like it should have a different capacity it should do different things at least that's how i saw it yeah well it's it's a very it's it's a very special ring because it comes from hal <laughs> but i mean it was hal's old ring and that's the one that ganthet reformed and that was the one that was basically made when there was no central power battery. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, there's so many great properties. And I mean, if you follow the story, you know, there's never been a reason to say Kyle ever gave up his original ring. And then that's the one that he was wearing when he did go on the journey to wear the seven rings. So it's like, yeah, that ring should be like, this one's been tried and trust tested and it's true. You know, like this is, this is a hell of a lot more ring than, you know, what anybody else is packing. Right. So that yeah, you're right. I think that is a that is an interesting thing that that should be a, that should be a uh, story arc at the very least. It should be a crossover, really. Yeah, it'd be it fine. should be like, what? Where are these extra rings coming from? Why are they different? Why are they special? Like, I would if I was a part of the Green Lantern Corps, uh, and I was you know the core member uh, or the Green Lantern of Sector Two Four Seven Nine, be like, why the fuck does Two Eight One Four have six fucking Green Lanterns? And why are their rings all different? Like, yeah. what's going on here? Well, plus, how cool to be like, I would love them to do something like, like maybe Salik is like running inventory on the rings and he notices like, oh, Jessica and Kyle's are different. Oh, they're way different. So it's like to, to the point where he calls them in. He's like, hey, I need you guys to surrender your rings. Or you could even throw Hal in there as well. And it's like, your guys' rings aren't standard issue. We're <laughs> going to need those. And it's like, no, those are our rings. And, you know, boom, you could have those three on one side, John, Guy, um, and Simon, Simon on the other side, yeah. and you have your own Earth Lantern Civil War. <laughs> because, like, now, I mean, I don't know, is John still the, the leader? The, yeah, he's the Green Lantern Corps leader. Okay, so he's the leader. So you'd think that maybe his ring has a little bit different, too. If uh, Guy is a honor guard, his his ring might be a little bit different. And Simon's is the actual 2814 sector ring <laughs> you know because he's uh he's the only one that, that it actually passed through yeah, regular that's the one channels that stayed in there yeah so i don't know that i just think that's interesting no yeah, there's I something think you, there you came up with a pretty great story there well thank you yeah no grant morrison you're you're free to fly on that one <laughs> <laughs> uh all right let's go ahead and talk about venom eddie brock we are venom we are venom um the alien suit itself First appeared in Amazing Spider-Man 252, May 1984. But we get Venom in Amazing Spider-Man 299, April 1988. Now, what can you say is the difference between the two? So, for me, when I look at that first, that issue 252, that's Pete 
as the the, the Venom symbiote hosted Spider-Man. Uh, and it's funny because I always thought the first appearance was I think it was Marvel Secret Marvel's Secret Wars issue eight. And that's the one where we see the cover with him standing there in the, the black costume. And the what arms the out. Well, I, always, you know? I think that what they're trying to make the difference there is like at that point you didn't know it was an alien suit. You just thought it was the black suit that he made yeah. with the, the special. Well, exactly. You know, and that's exactly. Yeah, it was just publication. So it's like because, yeah, the books did that. Like the, the comic books jumped a year ahead. And then the Marvel Secret Wars filled in that year. Mm -hmm. So I think that's kind of cool that they were even trying tricks back then. Um, but, yeah, no, so, I mean, to me, it's like, all right, this is, like, shock and awe. Like, whoa, Spidey's wearing a different colored costume. And you're right. It would probably, I'll bet those first couple issues, you know, the only thing that was different was the fact that he'd shoot the webbing from the top of his fist. Instead of, instead of the, 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 wrist. the cool pose, right. and the, you know, with the web shooter. How and, would you, you catch know. that? Like, coming from, I always thought that was weird, like, so in the black suit, and it comes from the top of his wrist, it shoots out. That means you have to turn your hand at the last second to grab onto the webbing to swing. Mm -hmm. Whereas the traditional one, where it comes out from the bottom of your wrist, your wrist, your hand is already there to catch it. Right. You know what I mean? So I've like, already answered this question when I was like 10 years old. Oh, <laughs> did you? So here's how it works. So you, you, like pretend you're pointing, for the listeners at home, uh, pretend you're pointing out like you're, you're going to make a force blast with your hand, right? So the webbing comes out from the top of your fist, okay? Now you loosen your arm to reach that webbing, and as you flick your wrist, you tear it from your fist. So it's connected to him, and, you know, so the line shoots out. He grabs it, and there's going to be slack in the line, and then that's where he tears it. I don't know if that makes sense, but it makes sense in my mind's eye. Okay. I wish I could animate so I could draw it. <laughs> but, I mean, because, like, I mean, the thing is, it's like, because, like, how do you explain the venom webbing? Is it like saliva? You know, is it like how we just naturally produce it? So that's why I felt like, it, 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 like, and even then, it might not necessarily be that it's, it's like, like maybe it was just an extension of the symbiote, and then it just dries off like snakeskin. Right. You know. But I always felt that he fired it, and then he would grab that connection, like he'd swing his hand around to grab from the top, and as he flicks his wrist, that's what separates it, tears it from his wrist, and that's why he could swing, catch, rip. And then swing off of it. I mean, I guess you're right. It's it. it <laughs> this was the organic webbing before it was the or before it was a thing. Before it was the thing. So yeah, I mean, he could. That stuff could literally become. Could just it, as an alien suit, it could literally come out of any place. He just imagined it coming out of his top of his wrist. So yeah, it could just literally like pass through his hand. And he catches it that way. Like, yeah. I mean, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, you're the way you're you're depicting it could could be, it would be a way of doing it too. It's just I always just thought that that was weird. Like, why you already had a great way of doing it, yeah. so, so that would be easy for you to do. But fair enough. Well, plus you had the cool the the cool hand pose. Yeah, you know, Wolverine. We got the sneak. Spider Man. We got the thwip. You know, and you know how to make your hand whip, you know, and, or what is it in Hawaii? Isn't that like, I love you or something? I think that's sign language. But yeah, you know, it's like, why would you want to lose that cool thing? But, you know, there was change in the air. <laughs> we needed was Dr. Spider-Man. <laughs> he makes fists instead of twip hands. Yep. Uh, so then, yeah, then you have uh, the Venom actual, actually being called Venom in 1988. Now, is that when... Uh, Eddie gets the suit like is yeah that's so the very the, is that the, the first time he calls himself Venom yeah um, so because yeah like and I, I gotta say I think it was cool when Venom first came on the scene um, because like even when they drew those like if you go if you ever get a chance and do it, it it's a dollar comic right now 
Uh, they did a reprint of Amazing Spider-Man 300, and they did a reprint of the issue where uh, Pete goes to the bell tower. Oh, I think that was Web of Spider-Man number one. So he goes to the bell tower, releases the Venom symbiote, and we don't see Eddie Brock. You just see the symbiotes off Pete, and he swings away. And then, you know, I imagine with the publication release schedules, probably like a month or later that month, you know, issue 299 comes out and we see the, you just see, I think, a fist. You see like the him posing with his fist down. It's like, you know, we're going to get him. And then issue 300 goes backwards in details. Mm. And you just see Eddie pumping iron, but he's, you know, in shadow. And then it's the big moment where it's like, okay, first you see the creature Venom. And then finally the, the, the cool head peel back that they would do. And it's like, I'm Eddie Brock. Oh, what a flipping suspense <laughs> issue. I mean, like this, like, I, I want to say, I think David Michelin was the writer of that one. Yep. Wow, dude. David he, Michelin, the writer, Todd McFarlane, the artist. Yeah, he freaking killed it. Like that is, that is a great just uh, like that like to me it's funny because like okay I know this will sound weird but like when you think of serial killers, that's the feeling I got, you know like I was like oh shit this Venom guy is gonna be something else. So I mean obviously here at the beginning of his career as Venom he's the villain he is a villain he's going after Spider Man he he hates everything to do with Spider Man I mean. Obviously, the Venom symbiote is pissed off at Spider-Man for rejecting him, and and Eddie is pissed off at Peter Parker for ha- getting him to lose his job. Well, the best part is he's pissed at Spider-Man, I think. Oh, because yeah, okay. So I I, I learned this recently because I finally, like I said, I bought that dollar issue and I was reading it. So it's a great story if you haven't read it. Um, oh my God, I just lost. Oh, sins the Sin Eater, Spider-Man the Sin Eater. Um, I don't have the exact issues off the top of my head, but that was the one. It was a great Daredevil Spider-Man crossover, and it took place in all the Spider-Man books, and they had Daredevil there. And that's the one where, you know, this guy is constantly talking about how he's going out there killing people. He's basically Charles Bronson from Death Wish, and he just wears this, like, green and purple combination, and he's going around, and he's got a shotgun. He'll kill people, but he's killing law enforcement people. So he kills Gene DeWolf. Um, he kills a judge and stuff like that. So nobody's safe. And he keeps talking about his plan so much. Then finally this guy comes forward and he's like, I'm the sin eater. It's me. Well, it turns out he's, he's got mental issues like split personalities. So he winds up hearing his neighbor talk about being the sin eater oh. to where he thinks it. Well, though you never knew who the reporter was that he came out to. Turns out they went back and said, oh, no, that was Eddie Brock. So that's how he got discredited because Eddie Brock went forward and was like, here's the Sin Eater. I got it right now. And then Spider-Man's like, no, it's this ex-Shield agent current NYPD cop. Right. So that's why it was more Eddie Brock was mad at Spider-Man as well. So their hatred of Spider-Man is what brought them together. And the fact that the symbiote knew Spidey was Pete, that's what allowed Eddie to go and torment him even more. So we, uh, I mean, they obviously, as a unit or as an entity, have a vendetta that they, they want to get across. So, yeah, uh, it, ta- it, it then becomes a, I mean, he knows all of Peter's secrets, right? All of Spider-Man's yeah, secrets. All that the was, thoughts and memories. That's one of the things that makes Venom such a big villain to Spider-Man because he knows all of his secrets, but then he also doesn't set off Spidey's Yeah, the Spider-Sense thing as well, Yeah, which is cool. Which, I I mean, it's got to be scary because I love how in most recent, like, books, like, they have started depicting Spider-Man's Spider-Sense. Like, 
I don't remember which book it was, but it was a recent one where he's like how he's just walking down the street and everything, everything, how everything sets off his spider sense, like oh, into yeah. the mundane of your to- your toast is burning. Like, oh, that yeah. was a. Uh, it was either 800 or 801. It was one of the backup stories. Okay, I think it was 801. I, I think yeah. it was a backup story. Yeah, I remember reading it because it's like, because it kind of showed how the spider sense is actually kind of crippling to Peter. Yes. Yeah, you because know, it's it, like it, to be to a, any other person, it probably would be. Yeah, because here we are living in Yuma, so our spider sense would be going off all the time. Why? Because the fucking sun is melting <laughs> you. <laughs> Which it, it made me also. It, it's unfortunate, but it made me think of Superman because, like you know, in his uh, in those depictions of him first getting his super hearing, yeah. he he falls to the ground because he hears hears everything, and and you know, it, 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 it even in Man of Steel, it, it takes his mother make the world small. Yeah, you know, to talk him through it through it through the through the closet door and stuff like that so that the something that you come to rely on it's it's almost like if he when he goes into a fight with with venom it's literally almost i would assume it's almost the same as having your your arms not there to fight venom because it's a whole sense it's a whole part of him that's not there to help him take on this enemy that's a great way to look at it. I never thought about it that way because you're right. It's like, you know, how do we feel when we have a cold? Yes. You know, Perfect. you can't taste because your sense of smell is off. So, yeah, it's like you imagine your spider sense being off. Oh, that's that's a cool way to look about it. Now now that makes those panels even more scary when I think <laughs> about them. Because well, I, I used to love those, and especially, obviously, the cartoon could do it better than the 90s Fox Kids Spider-Man mm-hmm. animated series. Because I used to love that where you'd see Spidey land on the wall, and he, you know, he's either thinking or... Or literally speaking out loud and he's like oh man thank god i got away and then like the camera angles up and venom's like perched above him. got away you're right where i wanted you and you're mm-hmm. like ah you know like <laughs> how does he do that and the comic panels would try to do that as well obviously it looks a little bit better with Animated, animation yeah. but it's like oh man how cool was that <laughs> that was a what was a what would i guess what would be the point if you know when i would assume that it would have been peter that talks him into being like hey you don't need to to be a bad guy you just need you can you can help people as much as i do or something like that i kind of i definitely would credit it. it's definitely pete i want to say i i think it would have been the lethal protector story arc well i think that's what did the full fledged but i want i would credit more i'd go even further a little bit further back to probably um maximum carnage okay you know because i think uh, that's one of the ones where it's like pete could probably be like look dude i'm responsible for you and i feel like shit about it but you are responsible for carnage and he's you know, worse. Yeah, and he's way worse. So literally a, a, th- a third enemy comes out and it's like, hey, you know, we need to team together to take take down this thing that's even worse than either one of us kind of thing. So th- that sets uh, Eddie or Venom onto the, the right track of being a, being a quote unquote hero or more, more accurately an anti-hero. Yeah. Uh, it definitely it, it puts those on there, and I and I think that's what's neat about his journey is that anti-hero part. Mm-hmm. That's the part I that's the part I like about Venom. So I so, guess or go ahead. Well, no, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but I, I we talked about the, I think we 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 hit we hit on this a little bit before when we were talking about Flash Thompson in previous podcasts, where how he has gone from being this the Peter Parker bully to being the the war hero, and then eventually Agent Venom, now Agent Anti Venom. But you could almost say there is a similar arc for the Venom symbiote itself. You know, it is the black suit for Spider-Man and almost non-sentient. Uh, then eventually the crazed part of 
black suit Spider-Man that that drives Spider-Man to do things that he he wouldn't normally do. Yeah. Then he becomes he's the pendulum goes really far left and 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 uh, becomes the the Eddie Brock Venom where he he's killing and and terrorizing Spider-Man and then we're swinging back towards the middle because uh, he they need to take out Carnage and then even further uh, to the right you know he's now becoming uh, a, pr- a lethal protector killing and stuff like that yeah. i'd assume when he becomes part of agent agent venom he, he doesn't kill as much Does i don't flash think because that's more flash thompson's right. moral set being put on the symbiote so, so but I, you're right i mean that's it's, a, it's an arc it's an arc for an entity that doesn't exist on its own usually yeah no that's true and what a great way to look at that it's like because you, you're right like sometimes i think about that like when you when you look at venom and it's like we're going to eat your brains mm-hmm. when they would do that. And it's like, what did Eddie do? Did Eddie just kind of be like, I'm going to take, like, is that when Eddie Brock was sleeping and the, the symbiote would Ooh. be like, oh, I can do the body and I can do the movements and whatnot. So Eddie's not aware that it's like, oh, I ingested human. Or maybe he didn't even eat any. Maybe, That's what I was going to ask. You know, is there a separate digestion system yeah, like just for the, the the symbiote itself so yeah. he doesn't actually have that stuff going through him? Yeah, because it's like, That's cannibalism, bro. <laughs> you know? So it's, it's one of those thoughts where it's like, how does that happen? Um, so yeah, I mean, I've often been intrigued by that, but you're right. I mean, what an what an arc for the symbiote itself to have gone through, where it's like here it you know it found a connection, a love, a sense of being, and then to be connected to like I mean, Peter Parker is one of the greatest heroes of comics, you know, and to to be connected to that, and then all of a sudden to be spurned by it. Mm-hmm. You know, so to watch it go from that hatred and even just as far as recently when we saw an amazing Spider-Man, you know, 799 and 800, the symbiote was strong enough to actually rejoin with Pete to help him. So it's like that that is a full circle thing. You know, it's so cool. And yeah, to stop eating brains and like, okay, let's do some cool things now. (laughs) So uh, what the version of Venom that we've been talking about here is the one that's from the 616 universe. Now, if you take into the animated series universe, which uh the fox 90s uh oh, cartoon yeah, Spidey, yeah, yeah. that's uh, and that's to be honest that's where i was first introduced to the venom uh idea or symbiote or whatever you want to call it right that version of it was introduced as a alien that hitched a ride back with john jameson yeah it's a little asteroid crashed on the moon it just so happened that john jameson was on the moon at that moment they collected the rock yeah right so uh, you know that's the that that version. I you know honestly, I think there's a lot of people that remember that version over the Secret Wars version oh, for yeah. whatever reason. Uh, but uh, then you have to you go into the early 2000s, and we have Bendis creating the Ultimate Universe. So you have Ultimate Venom, which is a creation as a symbiote that was supposed to that was created by Peter's father and Eddie Brock's father. Yeah. And they were scientists, and they created a symbiote that would attach itself to a host that is suffering from cancer, and that thing would then eat the cancer out of the the host's body to then heal them. Yeah. And uh, of course, Eddie, er, Peter's father died before they could come to a fruition. And I believe Eddie's father ends up dying too. And uh, Eddie Eddie Brock Jr. and Peter Parker both come across the symbiote at the same time. Um, it attaches to Peter first, and then eventually into that that version of Eddie too. Yeah, you know, I would say that one to me was the weakest version of Venom. It was, it was, it was weird. Like I, I understand what you're trying to do. You do, you don't have Secret Wars to to pull from, and you don't want to 
you don't want to do the animated series uh, version origin of it. So where do you, what does Bendis do? And and literally, this is Bendis experimentation world. Like this is like, hey, this isn't your regular six one six universe. So let's go ahead and try different things. And you're right, it's it's the weakest storyline. Oh, it was because and, to me, like with that one. Like, because at least the cartoon one, I like the fact that they still had it be an alien. Right. I like the fact that it still bonded to Peter and got the spider powers, mm-hmm. and then eventually found its way to Eddie Brock. And even then, I I, I really do like the fact that the cartoon made it that it was Eddie Brock admired Spider Man, hated Peter Parker. You know, and then even then, when he was trying to like, hey, Spidey, can you help me? I want to take these pictures. And then Spidey's like, look, dude, I got to go. And he even webbed him to like a light pole or something. (laughs) And now Eddie Brock's like, fuck both those guys. (laughs) And then the symbiote kind of goes along those. And I thought that that made the hatred. Like to me, like even though you have the comic origin, you're right. That Fox Kids one was the best. Uh, the Ultimate one, I just I don't know the whole. Oh, I'm Eddie Brock Jr. and I look just like Spider Man. Like I mean, Eddie Brock was Peter Parker 2.0. Right, he was in college, whereas that, Eddie yeah. Brock was high school or Peter Parker was yeah, high school. But even the physique, yeah, yeah, and he then, was much skinnier. And- yeah, and, and then even then, like to me, it felt like you know because they were created these like. Like I almost think of like the way I, I the way I would think of the Venom symbiote of the Ultimate Marvel world. It's kind of like when you watch those videos when they drop that that piece of metal in that magnetic goo and it just like slowly eats yeah. it over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's how it was. So it's like here's just this goo and it'll react, but it's not alive. It doesn't do anything. It's not conscious. And I like the symbiote having its own desires and wants and mm. needs and all that. I think that just adds element to it. And I mean, I, I like Bendis and I really do love the ultimate Spider-Man run. I think that was great, but that was the weakest part. I was like, God, like what he did to Ben, like to Venom and Carnage was just shit. It was gross. So I, the reason I had brought it up though, is because I believe in this Tom Hardy Venom movie. That's that, the way they'll go. That's the way they're going because this whole yeah, Riz Ahmed character. Yeah. It's a, it's the life foundation, which I know is part of the Venom storyline in the 616, the life foundation and the lethal protector and all that other good stuff. Yeah. I think I there guess. was something, uh, but I, I believe I heard or, or read or something where they are going to go with the whole, like trying to solve, uh, cure cancer kind of thing, or at least eat the cancer out of a body. And they created this thing, whether or not they go with an alien, uh, symbiote or or not is another story. I always thought it was interesting that uh, they're going with this uh, this this organization that's called the Life Foundation. <laughs> and then there was that movie that came out about two years ago called oh Life, my God. which was also from Sony, and it's got Jake Gyllenhaal and uh, Ryan, Ryan Reynolds. Reynolds. Yeah, yeah. And so it is a, a Venom prequel. <laughs> yeah, it, it kind of is. Seems like a, a Venom prequel. So. Oh, well, at least that gives us the fact that it's from space. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So now I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, once again, it's uh, those are some of the versions of Venom that we know of that that are out there. Do you have particular stories that you really enjoy of Venom that you would love? others to read if they had a chance to so to me when i think of venom um i would have to say do yourself a favor go look at the okay this is a weird one the mini marvels (sighs) i loved how so chris caruso would write and draw these these little charlie brown-esque marvel characters of them and, and and do these stories and i thought they were so great and it was funny because 
like obviously they're they're more aimed at kids but venom was a bully but it was just so humorous you know the way it would happen like the the way pete interacted with the symbiote he's like oh my god this guy's creepy um I just I thought they were great, but to me the, the the venoms that I really love come from the what ifs. I thought those were great. Um, you know, some of them were what if the alien costume did possess Spider Man? So you finally see you know Spider Man go off the edge because the symbiote has him. Uh, what if it you know what if Venom had possessed the Punisher? I mean, okay, picture Venom, but picture that Punisher skull and now with the Venom tendrils coming right. out of it. That was just so – that was a great one. Um, I, I love those. I think they were they were so much fun. Um, I would recommend, you know, the, the, the saga of the alien costume. I think they, 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 that's how they reprinted the, the recent trade um, just because that, that gives you the story of Pete's time with the symbiote. Um and then I would probably I haven't read it, but I want to. I want to read that Lethal Protector. I want to see how that goes down. And then one of my personal favorites, though, um, I, I don't. I, I know they cr- they collected it recently as a trade, and I, I'm trying to scroll through and, and find some of Venom's collections. But I, I it was. Oh man, it, like it was basically the. It's the first time. Ben Riley becomes the Scarlet Spider, mm-hmm. and the first Venom or the first villain he fights is Venom. Really, but what's neat about this one is so obviously Pete's a little bit stronger than Ben because staying physically active as Spider-Man versus just being a strong guy. So Pete has that edge, but Ben his spider sense still tracks Venom. Oh, yeah. So he he has that over over Pete, and I just thought it was so neat to see those two fighting each other that way and. You know, kind of, because at that point, like, because even, um, uh, whatchamacallit, Ben is like, how the hell could Pete let Venom run around the city, like, unchecked and doing these awful things? And that's kind of when Venom was in his, you know, uh, lethal protector mind frame, right. mind, mind, state of mind. And I just, I love that, that, that fight that the two have, the kind of the standstill that's there. So that's the story I would, I would put on your radar. So if you want to share something, I'm going to try to find the proper uh, story. Well, okay, Spider-Man Birth of Venom trade, that's, that's a trade to get uh, just because it's going to give you the big story. Uh, I would recommend Maximum Carnage just because that, you know, again, that's kind of putting that sobriety into Venom as well. Uh, here's the trade I'm talking about that has Venom versus Scarlet Spider. It's called Separation Anxiety. Uh, that's a great one. And then, honestly, if you're on a fixed budget, though, go, like I said, go to those True Believer reprints. And they did um, they did a reprint of Web of Spider-Man number one, which is where basically Pete gets, he exercises the, the symbiote off of him and goes back to his red and blues. And then the, the amazing Spider-Man 300 reprint, which basically gives you the first appearance of Venom. You could get those two for two bucks. So I wouldn't say that I have a uh, favorite uh, Venom story that anybody should go check out because I, as I stated at the beginning of the podcast, I've just never been a big Venom fan. Uh-huh. Like not ones to, uh, not enough to go out and uh, collect a story. But I did. I if you remember, I did buy that Venom. What was it fifty that had the return of Betty Brock recently? Oh yeah, yeah. When they re- re- recounted his number and gave mm-hmm. him the big anniversary issue. Yeah. So uh, that was a good story. It just it, it was it was the beginning of something. So if I wanted to keep going, I, I should have kept going. But I just I was like ah, I'm I'm good. 
But um, well, I think for you, Venom more resonates as the lethal or not the lethal protector, not not Venom, the lethal protector, but the Agent Venom. Yes, you know, so you would definitely like. I know you've but, talked about it to the point where I want to read it. So I think if if you're not necessarily a fan of Eddie Brock, Eddie and Brock, you want to do the Flash Thompson stuff, I would definitely go and check out uh like his run in in Secret uh, Avengers like that. Like I thought that was some great stuff. For Flash. Now, to capitalize on that as well, because I know you did Thunderbolts, did you read that they call that era Thunderbolts Red? So that's when it was Red Hulk, General Ross, right. Electra, Punisher, Agent Venom, and I think Ghost Rider. So I kind of want to jump in that because obviously Ghost Rider's there, Johnny Blaze is there. So I'm like, oh, I want to see how his time was. But did you read that? I didn't read that. Venom? It, okay. was, it, was, it was right after I stopped reading uh, Thunderbolts because I think mine, mine ended in the the Luke Cage run team, you know, oh, when he was the handler. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't reading at that time. One thing I do really want to go back and read, uh, is the whole edge of Venomverse and Venomverse, just because that's when you got all the different yeah. versions of Venom, like Ver- Venom onto all the bunch all of that, different yeah. characters. Right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, I know the big cover that was, was shown during that was the, the X 23 as Wolverine with the Venom on her. Like that's, I mean, that's I, to me stuff like that kind of interests me. Or I mean, normally interests me. So this kind of interest, interests me. Uh-huh. Like the idea of what happens when your normal hero gets thrown into a new suit or a new, like a new thing happening to them. So, uh, like all this Infinity Warp stuff. Like, yeah, I want to see what the Su- Soldier Supreme is. I want to see what Jugger Dud, Jugger Duck, Jugger Duck <laughs> is. But. Uh, <laughs> You know, uh, Wolverine with the Venom symbiote. What the hell does that mean? You know, what 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 goes on there? Uh, whoever I don't know, whoever else got thrown in with with that, but that's a thing. So, uh, and well, and then pa- capitalizing off that, and this is more recent. And you, well, it's tough because it 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 was a good story. I just think it, it ended weird. So Colin Bunn at the time was writing X Men Blue, and he was writing Venom. So he decided to cross those two teams over. No. So it was real interesting to actually see Eddie Brock and Scott Summers kind of like bonding, like really? becoming friends. Of yeah, because it basically we, we discover that the, the, the symbiote's race is actually called the Clintar. Mm-hmm. So we got that from Ben Disson when he was writing Guardians of the Galaxy. And that's right. Uh, Flash Thompson was a Guardian of the Galaxy because he got put there by Tony Stark to keep an eye on those crazy Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> but anyway, so the Clintar, they, they're, they're like somebody's capitalizing the Clintar and they get the poisons which spill out of the Venomverse. Uh, no, was it Venomverse? I don't know. Oh, man, because I think because there, there was Venomverse and then I think it was Venomosity or something. Because that's the, 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 oh, Poison X. That's what it was called. Oh, okay. So the crossover was called Poison X, and you had it going back between the two, and then it launched in its own weekly five-issue miniseries. But it was neat because it was the, the original X-Men teaming up with Venom to save Corsair, Scott's dad. Oh, okay. So, I mean, obviously that's why I picked it up. But it, it turned out to be a fun little read, and it was neat because, you know, here you have, you know, oh, it's the original X-Men, but they're still an experience. So in this book... Eddie Brock Venom, he's the experienced hero. He's the one who's kind of watching out for these guys. So it 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 gave a new look of Eddie Brock. So that's very recent. So, you know, you probably go to your comic shop and 
And yeah, I think it was Poison X. And then that's the one where basically the Clintars come to Earth and they're taking over heroes. So you have Hercules with a Venom symbiote on him. And all the heroes are reacting to it. You have the Jane Foster Thor with a Venom symbiote wow. on her. And it's like they're kind of like, hey, we're getting upgraded. But then some of them, the Poison Xs take over. And so like I think a couple of heroes died in that book. Wow. Yeah, because once a Poison X takes you over, you're done. Yeah. Yeah, so... That's one on their radars for recent. <laughs> was there anything else you wanted to get out there about Eddie Brock Venom? No, I mean, that, that's one of the things. Like, I, I guess I like, so throwing this in there, I like the fact that he's a Catholic. I think that's neat. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love, if I had the chance, I would love to really have him and Daredevil team up. And I think that would be neat because you could really play with Catholicism, you know, with your staunch Catholic and your cafeteria Catholic where they pick and choose. So I think it'd be neat to be like, well, look, you may be a lethal protector, but you've still killed and Which to is, kind of deal with them doing stuff. And plus you still have a lawyer versus a reporter. So ooh, that could be yeah. fun as well. Which is funny because every time I say lethal protector, I always think of guardian devil. Like, so you have the, the two <laughs> oxymorons of both, you know, titles to be like, Hey, Let's uh let's see what the two of them you know do together kind of thing. So I like that. Um, what do you? What's your final thoughts on the the movies going like going into? Them? I mean, we we haven't. We, it's not coming out till October, so we still have time before that yeah. movie comes out. But this is this is trailer three now. Officially, full trailer two because the first trailer that came out was just supposed to be a teaser, but it seemed like it was a really big. That was a whole tease. A tease. Yeah, <laughs> which I, I thought was funny. Not to cut you off again, but uh, in the teaser trailer, there's a scene that I kept watching over and over, where everybody in this room kind of gets split down the middle and uh, like they get thrown to the sides. But because it was a teaser trailer and they hadn't added in the special effects yet, there's nothing in that scene that <laughs> that throws them to the sides. In this fight, this new trailer that just came out, you finally see what it is. It's like it's it's a symbiote. I, I'm I'm almost positive it's not. Uh, it wasn't Eddie. It Brock. wasn't Eddie Brock or Venom, but this thing has like a axe and another thing in his other hand, or that he's created in his hands <laughs> and and swipes everybody in the room to the sides. Which the axe in or the tendrils becoming an axe thing. That's a carnage thing. Yeah, that's true. That's more associated because Venom would do like the bigger claw hands, mm-hmm. but that the axes and stuff like that comes from the crazy mind of Cletus Cassidy. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I'm sorry. What did, what's your thoughts you know, on the movie? So, okay. Right now where I stand, uh, you know, I'm going to go see it in theaters. Why? Cause it's a movie of a character I'm, I'm interested in. It's a great actor. I think Tom Hardy's fantastic. Uh, same. I don't have high hopes for it because it just, to me, this is almost like, okay, who's the actor that looks like Tom Hardy? Uh, it's, um, Logan Green, something like that. Something like that. But any, that Logan movie Marshall we saw, Green, yeah. um, Upgrade. Upgrade. This feels like Upgrade. It, it kind of does. Like, this is like, I mean, if you had just called it anything but Venom, I'd be way more stoked because I'd be like, okay, this looks cool. I want to see the struggle. But when you call it Venom, damn it. So it's kind of like the X-Men films. I already me. have back history to it. Yeah, you know, like I, I have this idea what it is, and now you're you're giving me something different. And not to say that I'm closed-minded. No, I'll keep an open mind, and I hope for a great movie. And like I've said before, you know, what, what cools my mind is just to think of these things as what-ifs and ARs and junk like that. But it's it's kind of one of those things. It's like the fact that they call it Venom, that's what brings it down for me. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> now, I, I, I'm right there with you. I, I'm definitely going into it with uh, low expectations, not just because – uh, it's not a Marvel Studios movie or anything like that, which I think is very interesting that in the the opening slate of the trailer, it, in very big letters, it says, in, in association with, with Marvel. Uh, and said, it's like, we want you to know we are not Marvel Studios. It's like, cool, cool. 
I I mean, honestly, to me, I feel like that's more like Marvel Studios saying, this isn't us. Ooh, I, I feel like it it's more way. them because well, because if you go back to that speculation, what was it like the, the, when they had, um, oh my God, who's the big cheese for Marvel MCU? Kevin Feige. Kevin Feige. And oh, and he was Anna there with Pascal, the Sony Amy, people. Amy yeah. Pascal. And she's and like, she's it's, like, it counts. It counts. <laughs> it's all part of it. And he's kind of like humoring her. Uh-huh. And then later on, no, it's not, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it, it is. I don't know that the whole thing is kind of, weird and stuff and i think we've talked uh several times about like how is it going to fit in the mcu i mean is spider-man going to show up whether or not he is or not it we'll we'll see we'll see when it finally comes out uh obviously the trailer this is the first trailer that they've shown where we see the full body venom yeah. so we see there's no white spider symbol on there yeah, which is you bummer. know <laughs> means that you're, you're not going to get that spider-man connection um i also think that the suit like i i Honestly, I have no idea how you could have done the suit in the movie. Like, the whole Venom symbiote suit. Like, it's it's going to look weird any way you do it. But I just think it, it looks weird now. Like, I don't... It doesn't look right to me, and I have no idea how you could have done it so it did look right to me. You know, it, it's tough because practical effects, special effects, and all that fun stuff. If I could have had any say, I would say go get the costume designer or the, the creature maker from Aliens. Or alien, or whichever okay, from that. So well, because to me, like those xenomorphs, isn't aren't, aren't that what yeah, they call xenomorphs? Like, I almost feel like because I think the movie predates Venom, so I almost feel like when they did that with the the, the alien, you know, sticking its little head out, right. and like whatever it does to Sigourney Reaver, I feel like that's where they were like, ooh, let's steal that, and that's why Venom has the tongue and the, the opening long mouth. Tongue. But to me, I would like every time I would look at those those aliens, those xenomorphs, they always look like they were wet. I don't mm. know. So to me, I feel like that effect looks way cooler as the symbiote than the CGI thing. Because I don't know, like maybe it was well, just, but that's what I, that's how I would have gone. Like I would have gone a practical suit, Xenomorph style, and then, you know, then you could go back and add the, the bigger tendrils right, right. or the, the, the whatever, the plastic man-y looking stuff. I, well, I, I, and I can't I can't fault you for saying that. I, I think that's, that's appropriate. Um, but I also go back to earlier this year with The Quiet Place, and I don't know if you got to see that movie or not. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I think those aliens that you saw in that, that... They looked pretty good. No, they did. Like those look like the Poison Xs. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, and, know, or and, even I, I definitely got a a Venom symbiote feel from the, those things when I was watching that movie. So yeah. I was like, oh, I have hopes for what uh, you know Venom could look like. And I I don't know. There's just something about the the way it looks. Maybe it's just not rendered fully, or maybe you know once I see it on the big screen, it will look a lot better than you know on my computer screen or something like that. And you know, that's what I'm just saying is that it's kind of already at low expectations for me. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, I mean, I just, I kind of, like, I, I heard about the hype. You showed me the trailer. And, again, I, I just hope that it's like, okay, well, you know, this comes out in October. Hopefully they'll clean it up more. But it's like, ooh, I could almost, and I don't mean to be me, but you could almost have, you know, the Ryan Reynolds Green Lantern stink on this. <laughs> yeah, I, no kidding. And that scares me. So that is your Venom Basics, Venom 101, Eddie Brock edition. If you would like to add in more to our conversation, we'd love to hear from you. I am I am on Twitter as Mitchipedia G E R. Chris is also on Twitter as stuff I should say stuff being spelt S T U. Nope, should being spelled S H U D. There you go. Sorry, it's been one of those days. <laughs> the rest of Geek Elite Radio is at Geek Elite Radio on Twitter, at Geek Elite Radio on Instagram, Facebook.com forward slash Geek Elite Radio is our Facebook page, and GeekElitRadio.com is our website. Check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on the Geek Elite Radio Network. But until next time, this is Imagine If on the Geek Elite Radio Network saying always remember to Geek, geek Out. out. 
We now return you to your regularly scheduled program.